church sometimes at one point or another has to deal with. So this church, uh, Thyatira, as we read in Acts um, 16, started by the the salvation of this lady named Lydia. And she was selling this this purple dye. And uh, my wife and I talked about it before. And it, and it came from a sea creature, a little sea creature that divers used to have to go down way deep into the water to get. And then they would mash it up and it would come out to this beautiful purple dye. And this was the main thing that this church was known for is this purple dye. So here's Lydia, um, you know, in back now in Jerusalem. And there's Paul and Silas and Timothy. And they're, they're just preaching the gospel. They're doing things uh, that a Christian would do. And this lady just hears and she's like, I want this. I want to be saved. And then after being baptized and being sealed by the Spirit, she invites them over to, their, to her land, to Thyatira. And she, the thing was is that the discernment of Paul, of Timothy, of Silas, they were just like, yeah, let's go. It was like of the Lord to go to Thyatira, to plant the church that later Jesus would talk, to, um, talk about to Paul. And it's like this one lady uh, in worship, this just came to me. It was this one lady that just wanted to worship the Lord. It said she worshiped God. She worshiped God and the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. When we go out and preach the gospel, you know, we preach these words and these words just come out and they, and sometimes they just hit like a dartboard. You know, and they just barely like pierced through the surface. But when these words came to this lady, like the Lord opened her heart. And dude, it birthed a church plant. And it was just to me, I was just like, wow, Lord, like just this little evangelism, just hearing about you, hearing about what you're doing in the other cities will birth other church plants. And right now, as we speak, reality is is. Uh, Reality LA and and CARP, they got together and they're in San Francisco right now and they're doing a prayer tour. And dude, it just reminded me of that. I'm like, Lord, dude, Lord, you're moving in so many cities. You know, so now we get to this church, excuse me, that started in uh, the book of Acts. Um, It was 40 miles southeast of um, Smyrna and it was founded by Alexander the Great. So, um, it was a small city and it was, it wasn't known for much. It was, it was just a little tiny little town. It wasn't really big in culture. It wasn't thriving in education like Smyrna. It wasn't like blessed with like, it wasn't a central route. Like the five is like, boom, you get anywhere on the five, but the five never came to, to, um, to, uh, Thyatira. You know what I mean? It was like boondock city. And we see that some scholars actually say that this church is one of the most insignificant churches in the book of Revelation. In this chapter 2 and chapter 3 of the seven churches, they say that this is one of the most insignificant churches. And I'm like, Lord, how could they miss this? How could these quote-unquote Bible scholars miss one of the churches? It's the longest letter. It's the longest letter. And second of all, it has the most praise that Jesus gives to a church. And yet it has a really strong rebuking. Jesus just lays it down for these people. And the Bible scholars just miss it. They miss it. And I don't know if back in the day when the commentaries were written... You know, they just weren't dealing with sexual morality or maybe it was just being swept under the rug. But man, to us now, like us college kids and just our age, people our age, like we know that it's there. We know it. I When I first got saved, I knew that there's people that weren't doing the wrong thing and it had to do with sex. And it was and I had just gotten saved. and I'm like, all right, Lord, I need to, you know, I need to stay pure. And, you know, luckily, you know, the Lord brought me my wife and she's the one that brought me to church. And 
uh, we weren't married yet, but we were just friends. And it was like, like, I didn't see myself dating anybody else because I didn't know anybody else, you know. And I just remember Carol preaching the gospel to me and me saying, like, okay, yeah, let's go check this out. Let's go check out this gospel of yours, that you're, this good news, you know. And then I started, and, and I just got saved, and all of a sudden, like, I start serving at the church. And then, you know, all of a sudden, like, me and Carol are hanging out a lot. And then, you know, we start, you know, dating. And I'm just like, dude, like, we can't even hold hands. We can't do anything. I'm just like, I want to stay pure. You know, I want to be holy as he is holy. And But then, like, as I served more, I'm just, like, hearing about this stuff. And I'm like, all right, Lord, you got to do something about this. And I believe that this letter would have so impacted my surroundings when I first got saved. And a lot of stuff wouldn't be in my head now. So it's so cool. Like just reading and studying this, you know, letter. It was just, it was just eye-opening. And it was just like, it made me feel comfort. Like it gave me the warm and fuzzies inside. Because I knew the Lord wants to nip this in the butt. He wants to talk about this to his church. People don't want to talk about sex. People don't want to talk about uh, idolatry. But the Lord, like, hits it, nails it on the dot in this church, in this letter. So we see that although to some it might seem insignificant, the Lord writes about it. Like Jesus proclaims it from the mountaintops, talks to Paul, I mean, talks to John and says, hey, I want you to say this. You know, and no matter uh, their cultural value, their economic value, Jesus still says, you know what? This is what I have to say to you. The reason why is because it explains one of his characteristics, one of the characteristics that makes up the fullness of his love. Because we know Jesus as our loving Savior. We see him holding a little lamb, and it's so loving. And it's like, oh, let me tend the sheep. But there's also a love that he shows to us when he rebukes us, there's also a love that he shows to when he corrects us and when he calls us out on our sins. And that's what I love about the love of Jesus. You know, it's just good, but we need to be ready for it. We need to know and, and want to be rebuked. Because if, if, if we say, oh, I never got rebuked by Jesus, right? What does that say about us? Does that say like we're perfect? Jesus knows our heart. He searches the minds at the end of this, um, at the end of this uh, letter. He says, I search the mind and the hearts. You know, that those words, it, it's the heart and the kidneys. Literally, it's the heart. It's, he knows your feelings. He knows what's going through you. You guys know what kidneys do. You know, it's, it's awesome. I love that he says that. So let's get into it. Verse 18. And to the angel of the church in Thyatira write, These things says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire, and his feet like fine brass. I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. Because you allow that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. And I gave her time to repent for her, of her sexual immorality, and she did not repent. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation, unless they repent of their deeds." I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the minds and the hearts. And I will give to each of you according to your works. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give 
power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So we see that we start off and it's calling out to the angel, to the pastor, to the minister, to the overseer uh, of this church. And he says, these things says the son of God. The son of God, that title, son of God. To be a son of something is to have the nature of that very thing. The sons of thunder, they were quick. They were like, boom, like this little spark, right? And then that was it. That's all they had. Jesus rebuked them. You know, they were, a thunder is just for a, for, a, for a split second. Just like that, the nature of Jesus, he had the nature of the Father, the full nature of the Father. Just an interesting little, the, in the Jewish mindset, to, ha, to be the son of something. Just like me, I'm the son of my dad. I have his characteristics. He's my dad. I know I, I act like him. I twitch like him. I do things that nobody else but me and him do. Just like that, Jesus has a full nature because his dad made him to be perfect. So what is the father? The father is perfect. His eyes, it says these things says the son of God. We just want, I just want to reiterate that he is the son of God. There's, there's, People, there's doctrines out there that, that, that deny that. He's a literal son of God. He has the genes of the father. Secondly, it says, it says, he who has eyes like a flame of fire and feet like fine brass. Going back to the churches, going back to Ephesus, he says, he, uh, these things says, he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. Talking about his sovereignty over the churches. Talking about his authority over the churches. He is the head pastor over the churches. Now going to Smyrna. This thing uh, says the first and the last who was dead and came to life. Talking about his resurrection. This, These two things were the very things that these churches had to hold on to. They had to realize that the, the church of Ephesus had to have on their agenda. Look, Jesus is over our church. The church of Smyrna had to have at the top of their letterhead, look, he's the one who resurrected. And we are going to be dead. We, we might be dead, but we will be alive with him forevermore. Pergamos. These things says he who has the sharp two-edged sword. The very word. He is the word. He has the word in his hands. He made the word. This is the very thing that they had to hold on to. But to this church... To Thyatira, he mentions his eyes and, and his feet. His eyes, speaking of the just and valid judgment on an unrepented humanity. His justice, his purity, his holiness, his piercing eyes, how he can see through us. How he can see through our hearts, through our minds. And he recognizes, he knows the depths. He knows the depths of, of our sin. He knows the depths of our, our works. He knows them all. And on top of that, he has his feet like fine brass talking about the pure. It's the strongest metal. Fine brass is the strongest metal. It talks about refining. It talks about um, just the purity, the strength. And, and not only that, but the thing is, remember we talked about this, is that he earned those, those fine brass feet. That that didn't take just, hey, he didn't go to the father and the father was just like, all right, here. Have your shoes. I just bought them for you. No, these shoes had to be earned. He had to go to the cross. He had to earn these qualities. He had to earn the things that, that, that when, when uh, John describes them, he had to earn all those things. They weren't just given to him just because, hey, he's daddy's little son. No. He had to prove himself. Like as we said, Jesus had to be tempted in all things that what? That he may sympathize with us. Right? Jesus had to endure the cross, endure the cross despising the same for what? So we would have access to the Father. When the blood of bulls and goats could not suffice to sacrifice, the Father had to conform to humanity, his very creation, that he had come down and show us and be the propitiation for the redemption of mankind. Right? On top of all these things, 
All, all these things that he had to display, all these things that he had to prove on this earth, they not only show us how perfect he was, but they show us how much he loved us. They show us what his love was really about. We must consider the extent of these actions. We must consider the things that Jesus had to go through that we may recognize his love. This is what we're trying to point out to today. We're going to, we, what I, what the goal of the word of the Lord today for us right now is to understand the fullness of his love. Is to understand how Jesus loves us, how Jesus loves his church, and what he's willing to do for his church, that his love may be displayed, but his righteousness in his love may be displayed, that love wouldn't be rape. That love wouldn't just be some casual friendship, dating love, but it would be the love that a, a husband has for a wife. That is the love that Jesus wants to put on display for the world to hear. Why? Because the world wants a father. A world wants somebody that they can come to on a 24-7 basis and seek him. Why? Because a father knows what we have need of before we even ask. Before we can open our mouth, before we could call somebody, he is living to make intercession for us. And that's, that's what he lives for. That's his job, to make intercession for us, to send his spirit unto us, that we may not have to sin, that we may not have to go away like a prodigal and then have to come back. So we, we see that First John chapter 3, verse 1, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed on us, that we should be called the sons of God. Verse 19, I know your works, your love, your service, your faith, and your patience. And as for your works, the last are more than the first. We'll stop there. We see that, first of all, they had all these things. This church was doing it right. Their works. Let's talk about their works. This works, uh, the word is called ergon. It's, it deals with business. It deals with their source of income. It deals with the business ventures that these Christians were going through. It's the things that they were establish, establishing for economical um, use. Pretty much where the, their jobs and their employment, their, their employers, I'm sorry. You know, they, it, it deals with that. It deals with what they were doing to stay alive. You know, and Jesus knew that. And, on top, and then next, he knew their love. It's a word deriving from the word agape, because we know that only God can use that word. But he knew their affection. He knew their goodwill. He knew their benevolence. He knew their brotherly love for each other. This church, God knew that these people knew how to love each other. Right? And on, on top of that, he knew their service, her diaconia. The diaconia is the ministering, the service unto the brethren. He knew what they were doing, how the needs that they were feeling on a spiritual and physical level. He knew what they were doing at church. He knew that they were serving at the doors. He knew that they were serving with the youth ministry. He knew that they were doing stuff outside of church that is called service. It's doing it unrecognized. That's what this word means. He also knew their faith, their pistis. What does this word mean? I'm going to read it to you because there's no other definition I found that can just nail this on the dot. It says, The conviction of the truth of anything, a belief in the New Testament of a conviction or belief respecting man's relationship to God and divine things, generally with the included idea of trust and holy fervor, born of faith and joined with it. Relating to God... The conviction that God exists and is the creator and the ruler of all things, the provider and bestower of eternal salvation through Christ. Relating to Christ, a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God. This is what faith is, according to this dictionary. The church of Thyatira knew Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They knew what faith was. You know, there's a, there's a saying, do you know, you know him as your Lord, 
Do you know him as your savior, but do you know him as your father in heaven? You know, they knew him, they knew Jesus as their as their Lord, they knew them as their father. I mean, as their savior, but as their father? We we must question that. Another thing that Jesus knew was the, the hypomony, the patience, steadfastness, constancy, er, endurance. I'm going to read this one more time. In the New Testament, the characteristics of a man who is not swerved from his deliberate purpose and his loyalty to faith and piety by even the greatest trials and sufferings. Throughout this verse, we see the Lord's knowledge of everything. We see that he knew that this church looked beautiful. He knew that, that the surface was beautiful. The stained glass windows were clean. They were spotless. They used Windex. They didn't use water and soap. You know, the floors were the, they were spotless. The linens were washed every day. The communion bread was unleavened. They just knew that everything was perfect. The wine was from Smyrna. It was like the best wine. Everything looked good over the surface. The, the servants said, here you go, I'm serving the Lord, you know, putting stuff up on the church, in the church, doing stuff in service and, and having faith and, and um, just their works at work. Everything looked great. But there was a few things, a few, not just one thing. You know, they did, just didn't leave their first love. There was a couple of things that were hindering this church from knowing the fullness of who Jesus was, who he is, and who he was going to be. Something was hindering them from knowing the full love of Jesus. Whether it was minor or major idolatry, the fact was it was perverting the relationship between Jesus, the husband, and the church, his bride. It was perverting it. So let's dive in and see what that was. Uh, verse 20. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you because you allow that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and to eat things sacrificed to idols. Matthew twenty four eleven, That there will be many false prophets and they will deceive many mark seven fifteen. these prophets are called to as wolves seeking to devour the sheep first john 4 1 beloved believe not every spirit but try the spirits where they are of god because many false prophets are gone out into the world and to us this is mark chapter thirteen twenty two. for false christ and false prophets shall rise and shall show shall shall show signs and wonders to seduce to seduce if it were possible even the elect these warnings just keep coming up these warnings of false prophets isn't it weird that Jezebel is a so-called prophet she was self-proclaimed she called herself a prophetess it wasn't witnessed between people like we do now. Elijah and Elisha, they were known as prophets. Why? Because other people saw it. When they went, they spoke the word of authority and the kings knew. They were like, this man is from God. Daniel, perfect example. This man is of the Lord. You know the things of God. Come interpret my dream. It was witnessed. It was professed. It was Acknowledged by secular sources, just like Josephus, a secular source, professing that Jesus had risen from the dead. But this woman, I know you guys are wondering what I'm going to say about this woman. She was bad. Walbert actually says, other than Satan, there is nobody else worse than Jezebel in the Old Testament. That's nail right there. That's it. She was the worst. Why? She, what was she trying to do? She was trying to pervert the marriage. In the Old Testament, we see that Jezebel, who was she? She, in 1 Kings 16, relating to 2 Kings 9, we see that this woman was trying to intermix the worship of Yahweh with the worship of Baal. 
She was trying to be, she should have belonged to the Church of Pergamos because that's what they did. They were, she was trying to combine, she was trying to mix the marriage. She was trying to, you know how people go and they get married and they get the little sand and, you know, one pours in white sand and the other one pours in like black sand, you know, speaking of two people becoming one or whatever. Well, she would be the one that would sit there and just melt the sand into two and make it now you're actually one and just like being so evil about it and trying to pervert something that was holy and pure. It's true that Satan comes to church. It's true that Satan has an agenda. He, you know, it, and it's people like Jezebel when they come to church and on the outside, just like this church, they, they come and they look beautiful and they, they're just like, or sometimes they even come lowly and they're just kind of humble. And you start talking to them and you're like, oh, wasn't the worship awesome, Pastor Brian? You know, and, and, and other people come to her and they're like, yeah, wasn't the worship awesome? She's like, yeah, but this, this, this and that. But what about this? But are you speaking in tongues? But are you, let me give you a doctrine other than Jesus. This is what this woman was doing. She was going to church when Satan goes to church. He goes every day and he does it well. He hides in the pews. He gives, he gives, he numbs your, your ears. He, he clogs your ears. He blinds your eyes. That that day when you're supposed to go to church and actually receive from the Lord, you can't do it. He starts sending you uh, messages of, of conviction. He starts giving you messages of disqualification. He starts giving you messages of not the point of no return. And just like that, this woman was going and she was hindering the servants of the Lord. What does it say? to teach and seduce my servants. She was actually given the authority to teach and seduce the servants of God. But that wasn't what it was about. People come in and they do harm to the servants of God all the time. But the thing that Jesus had against this church was that the church was allowing it. The church let it go. The church was sweeping it under the rug. We don't do that here at Worship Generation. We don't see sin and then just sweep it under the rug. That's not how it goes down, not on our watch. When we see people and they're sinning and, and, and they have a repentant heart, we speak to them the words of redemption. You know, we speak to them the words of the cross. We speak to them the words of the prodigal son of, hey, there is a second chance, but you need to come to Jesus. You don't need to be like these people and not repent. But to those who are stubborn, to those who do not want Jesus, what do you say to them? What do you do? What did Jesus do? In his love. In his perfect and pure love, he says, I cannot have this in my bride. This part, this thing, this doctrine cannot exist in this marriage. When my wife, when she's like, hey, you, you, no, you can't smoke weed. When we, were, when, we were, when we were still dating, she's like, no, you can't do that. You could try and search the scriptures all you want. But trust me, if you keep doing what you're doing, if you keep... Uh, uh, being a, a, an addict to this thing, it's not going to reap. It's not going to reap fruit. It's not. It's going to reap rotten, rotten fruit, rotten vegetables. It's going to reap death. Why? Because the wages of sin is death. I'm glad I had somebody like her, because she didn't say, "Oh, you can, you yeah, you can do that. Don't worry. It's okay. You could have a couple beers. Oh, you want to take another shot? Sure, go ahead." Don't worry. It's not like all these other people that are with us are struggling with the same thing that you're struggling with. She says, be a light. She says, be a light, Hector. Don't conform to what the world has for you. And that's why I married her. Because she wasn't like Jezebel trying to, you know, entice me to do things I shouldn't be doing. She wasn't giving me a trippy doctrine. Think about what she was doing. How perverted 
was she was this doctrine i call it a doctrine because jesus calls it a doctrine he says those of you and to the rest in thyatira as many as do not have this doctrine we see that sometimes fads come around and you guys remember the fad of barking in the spirit i guess whatever they called it yeah, it's just like, Lord, just what happened there? Who came to this church and started this doctrine? Or this, like, you reap an eternal blessing, supposedly. But the thing is, the church allowed it to happen. There's a, there's a bigger, there's a, like, like it says to those who teach, it, it's worse, the bigger judgment. You know, just like that, the church, the leaders of the church are going to be judged for the things that we allowed to creep in. And that's why we must be in tune with the Lord, just like Nehemiah. He was so in tune with the Lord that when uh, the uh, Tobias and the other guy that starts with an S, he would come up to him and he's like, yeah, we, we already wrote all these letters to you. You're, you're pretty much done. You know, we're, we already talked to the king. We already told him you're going to rebel. You know, Nehemiah was like, dude, you know what? I, I know, I know that you're not of God. He automatically knew. And just like that, we have pastors and teachers at this church that we can say no to the Spirit of the Lord. In things of, when it comes down to finances, when it comes down to um, doctrine, whatever it might be. That's why this church, even though you know, it's not that big. But neither was Thyatira. But the fact was this church, doctrinally speaking, has so much value. Not economical value. I'm talking about spiritual value. And that's why I love it. I mean, I came from a church that was thriving and, and it was growing and everything was good. And, and I, and I like that. Doctrinally, they were great. I have nothing against them. But, you know, I, we were called to this, to this work right here. And what is it? It's, it's right. The doctrine is perfect. We even examine it. We have the Brie and barbecue. We examine it. It's good. But back to this woman Jezebel. Let's, let's actually talk about the churches. Jesus in Ephesus says, you've left your first love. And he asked them to repent and come back. In Smyrna, he says, The persecuted church, I have nothing against you. Just hold on to what's fast. In Pergamos, stop mixing marriage. And then Thyatira, the three of, uh, four, three of the four churches have had bad stuff. And all Jesus says is like, look, I'm here for you. You come to me. He says, look, I'm going to show you what love is really about. The marriage between me and my church. The, the, the church in Thyatira, their works had increased. It says right there that, that the works of now were, were, are more than the works from before. And what does he say? He says, dude, you know what? I, you're doing all this right. But look at what's going on. This is what's wrong. This is where the cancer is growing. And he gives them time to repent. And they don't repent. And the fact was is that these people had found a new love. They had chosen to leave the love of Jesus and cling to the love of the world, cling to the love of, of perversity. I don't even know if that's a word. But that's pretty much what it is. Perversion. They chose to cling to that. They chose to be unfaithful, to cheat on the one who hung on the cross. They chose to defile the bed with the one that was only looking after their selfish gain. Just like Satan and us. We know that he has he's the prince of the power of the air. He's here on this earth and he's ruling this earth. Sin rules this earth. We're all a sinful flesh. But to us Christians, he, he, if he can't bring us down with him, 
He's just going to try to stop. He's just going to try to pull as many people down. When you get down, when you go to uh, somebody's pool, when you go to somebody's party, I'm glad you don't have a pool anymore, Brian, because you know when you go to somebody the first time, you know, this big old barbecue, everybody is going into that pool with their clothes on, their cell phone in their pocket, their wallet. We're just going to throw as many people as you can into that pool. And and it's like right when you when right when all of a sudden everybody comes up to you, hey, how you doing? And then all of a sudden you're like, why are you holding me so tight? And all of a sudden you're getting dragged through the the French doors, and all of a sudden there's a pool, and you're like, what's going on? And then you know that you're going down. What is your first reaction? I'm taking them with me. I'm bringing them down with me. Why? Because you don't want to be the only one going into that pool. Just like that Satan wants to do is he wants to bring as many. He's already a fallen angel. He wants to bring as many people down with him. But remind yourself, you're a Christian. He has nothing on you. Why? Because Jesus died on the cross. It's what you allow him to do to you that he has power in. That's the key. But this church, they were choosing not to repent. They traded their crown for a night of pleasure. They traded their crown, the one that Jesus was going to give to them, for a night of sin, for perversion, for sexual immorality. But Jesus is not going to have it. Like a faithful husband, he will forever fight for his bride it's not like he's just gonna be like okay yeah you want to go and be rebellious queen vashti go ahead go be rebellious no he's not gonna do that he's gonna do that he's gonna let us do the church do whatever it wants but he's gonna always speak to them and say hey you're aired in this place you're airing here you're airing there and you're airing there do you want more? Do you want to do you want to keep sowing what you're reaping? Or do you want to come unto me that I may correct you and that I may purify you, that you would be ready and pure and holy for the marriage for the matrimony, for the for the actual service of me and you being married? What do you want to do? Because the church, the, the elders, the board, they can get together and decide on all these huge events and do all this stuff. But is the Lord in it? Do they pray? We don't know. We don't know what happens in other churches, but they have huge events. And, and, and it's cool and it's, it's attractive. It's attractive. It brings many people. But did they really put the Lord, did they, were they really guided by the Lord? And these are the things that Jesus has against churches like that. Or these are the things that Jesus has against church, small churches that do stuff they shouldn't be doing. You know, but the fact was that this thing was plaguing the marriage. This thing, it, it, it was just affecting it to the, to the point where Jesus had to do something. Verses 22 and 23. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed, and those who commit adultery were with her into great tribulation. Unless they repent of their deeds. This sickbed. Jesus was not going to have this whole thing, this whole doctrine, just starting a fire and just let, let it be. He was going to quench it. He was going to hinder it. He was going to stop it some way, somehow from doing the work. Why? Because he cares about his bride. He had to numb it. When you go and you get operated on, in order to remove the cancer, they have to numb you. And this is the picture of, of what he's doing. He's going to numb it. He's going to cast her into a sickbed. And then he, by hindering it, what is he doing? He's stopping the prophets from coming in. He's stopping the, the bad fruit from coming in. And we see as we sow, as we invest in the things of sin, so we will reap the consequences thereof. The wages of sin are death unless we repent. And that's what Jesus says next. He says, but you, unless they repent of their deeds. And then he goes on to say, I will kill her, her children. Oh, you say, oh, Hector, why does God want to kill the children uh, of 
of a Jezebel or of this doctrine? Why does why does she why does he want to do that? Why? Uh, it's not literally speaking of her children. It's speaking of the offspring of the byproduct. He has to kill sin. He's he's done it on the cross already. But people are being so rebellious, so just stubborn that they want to birth it again. They want to revive it. They they're they're bringing the the paddles and they're just like yeah, let's sin some more. And they're like check, they're like you know check, and they're rubbing them together and they're like trying to revive this thing called sin, when we should be leaving the old man dead. And it's like, man, why does he do this? Why does he do this? Why does he keep, he, you know, it says that her children will be killed. He has to do away with this. He has to do away with the cancer. The cancer cannot spread in the church of Jesus Christ. Why? Because he's not going to marry a defiled wife. He's not going to marry a harlot. He's going to marry a pure and beautiful bride. And that's the goal. That's what's happening from now until we get there. Though you see other churches and they're doing their thing and they're, they're, they're clinging on to these doctrines. That's fine and dandy. But to us, what does he say? He follows up and says, you know what? To you guys who have not held this doctrine, you guys hold fast. You know, we don't allow this stuff. We're not down for sexual immorality. It's not one of our sins. Pride may be, or or just, you know, being stubborn or just being filled with anger. That may be it. But, dude, we're not going to allow sexual immorality. And we're not going to allow anger. And we're not going to allow being stubborn. And we're not going to allow um, just pride to just go unnoticed. We're not going to just sweep it under the rug. Sin is sin. But the thing is, there will be a point when God will say enough. There will be a point when God will say stop. There will be a point when the nets are full. There will be a point when the last person hears. Genesis 6.3, what does it say? It says that there will be a point where the Spirit of God will not struggle with man anymore. There will be a point when this must stop. The curtains will shut. Done. Show is over. And when the last one here is when the church get, gets raptured, the church of Jesus Christ, those people who held fast the things that Jesus proclaimed, and it'll be done. No more pain, no more sorrow, no more suffering. Behold, all things are new. And that's the team that we want to be on. We don't want to be on the losing team. We don't want to say two, four, six, eight, who do we appreciate? Satan's team. No. No. You know, we don't want to do that. And what a beautiful gospel we preach that the God who is rich in mercy, that's willing that none should perish, would still have his arms wide open for those people who want to turn from their wicked ways, who's, who have been involved with Jezebel, who have reaped the consequences, who have had children birthed by this doctrine, but yet Jesus is still there. And he still has his arms wide open. And he's saying, just come. Just come to me. Just let me wipe away every tear. Let me wipe away your slate. Let me start you over. Whether tomorrow I may, I'm coming from my church tomorrow. Everything that you've done from, from when the time you were born till now, I'm just going to wipe away just so that tomorrow you may see me for who I am. That you may be married to me. That you may come and be involved with my church and come together with my church in complete unity and be married unto me. Because that's why I came. There will be people, there will be the last one. Imagine being the last person that hears the gospel. They're only saved for how long? A, twink, a twinkling of an eye? How long is that? You know, they're saved for that long. And Jesus said, you know what? For that person, imagine all the things that they've done. And they never tasted Jesus. They never experienced their prom His promises. They never experienced the gifts. And yet He says, you know what? Just like that, I will bring you back into communion with me. And it doesn't matter all the things that you've done. For look what I have now for you. I still have the same mansion. I still have the crowns. I still have everything for you, just like all my other children. And we see that we must keep on doing what, what we're supposed to be doing. It says, verse 24 through 29. Now to you I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as to many who do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, 
I will put on you no other burden, but hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. He sh they shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, as I also have received from my, from my father. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To those, as I said before, to those who have not held this doctrine, to those that don't know the depths of Satan, do we understand that Satan just gets deeper and it gets deeper and deeper? But the Lord's arm is what? Not short that it cannot save. His ear is not dull that it cannot hear. And as deep those people are the depths of Satan, to know the depths of Satan, you know, that messes with you up here. But Jesus says, come unto me, behold, all things are new. It's just awesome. It's perfect. I love it. And then he goes and he talks about his works. When he says to keep his works, that word works is business again. Those who keep my business. Those who keep being about the Father's business. Jesus is encouraging them. Invest. Tend to my business. Come. Invest in my stock. Watch it just reap and reap and reap benefits. Watch it just reap and reap fruit. You know, we see these Christians that, you know, like I said, they're holding on to this doctrine. They were holding on and, and they were allowing it. The church was allowing it to happen. And they were leaving their first love. But the thing is, is that we can't just sit there and just be like, ah, oh, so bummed out about these people. Because we need to be lights. We still need to hold on. It says, you stay faithful. You do not conform. You prepare yourself for this marriage. You be ready. You be watching, he says. That when the time comes, that you may be found faithful in everything. We need to be found faithful. Last um, study on Smyrna, it says perfect faithfulness. Have you tried that? Have I tried that? To perfect being faithful. I know it's impossible, but dang, we could try. We could try. We could try perfecting faithfulness because it's in the end, what will we be? We will be more like Jesus because he perfected it. He never committed idolatry unto the Father. If we hold fast our works and continue in them, not only will we be more like Jesus, but Jesus will be glorified. And not only that, but other people are going to see it. Those people that aren't repenting, those people that are holding on to this doctrine, those people that are choosing to have one night of pleasure, they're going to see that, hey, why does this person keep being faithful unto Jesus? All these problems, all these things keep happening in their lives, and yet they're still faithful unto Him. They still go to Him. They still pray to Him. They still love Him. What's that going to put in their mind? Just a never-failing love. The love that Jesus has for us is never failing. And then it goes and it says, not only that, but you, the, for those overcomers will rule with him. They will reign with him. They will have power over the nations. Revelation 20 verse 6. Blessed and holy is he that, that hath part in the first resurrection. On such the second death hath no power. But they shall be priests of God and Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. With the same type of authority that, that God the Father, as he says right there, if you're wondering what that means, as I also have received from my Father, it's that power to rule the nations. And the same power that has been given to Jesus will be given unto us. Just like with the same power that, we are, that, that Jesus rose from the dead, with that same power, our old man is put to death and our new man comes alive. And the Holy Spirit changes us. It's the power of the resurrection. But not only that, it says that Jesus will be giving un given unto us. That, that we will receive the bright and morning star, which is Jesus. That we will receive him and we will know him as he is. We will sit there at the, at the, at the marriage and we will see him face to face. And we will see our husband and we will see all of his characteristics, all his love and how it was never forced on us. 
He's like, you look, you made all these mistakes, but I still want to, you're my love. You're my love. You're the one whom I was born and was dead to marry. Just like my wife. I was born to marry my wife. Why? Because without her, I wouldn't be the person I am now. I wouldn't have received those words. I would have known about Jesus the right way. I wouldn't have seen her struggling with her parents, struggling with just issues at school, and she still went to the Lord. And she still prayed, and she still said, Hector, I'm praying for you. I never, like, what example was she living that I was just like Lydia? You know, doing, selling my, selling my liquor instead of purple because I was a bartender. You know, and there comes Carol, Paul, Silas, and Timothy, just preaching the good news. And I believe, and I want to be baptized, and I want to go, and I want to serve Jesus, and I want to plant a church in my hometown. That's, that's the gospel. And the question is, for this church, we see the impurities of sex. We see the ad- adultery spiritually. But the thing was, is what replaced Jesus? What was more attractive to this church? Because the thing is, is that this this sex stuff, yeah, it, it was sex. It was sexual immorality, and it was eating the food sacrificed to idols. But those things must have looked more attractive than all the promises that Jesus had for the church. They must have caught the eye a little bit more than all the promises, the treasures, the the mansion, the house that he has for us. It was more attractive now. It was more attractive for that night. It was more attractive for being in the moment. Oh, I was in the moment, Hector, and, you know, one thing led to another, and, oh, man, I'm pregnant. Wait, wait, what? No. What happened? What in the moment? No. You must have sowed. You must have started and you were sowing and you were sowing to the flesh and all of a sudden, oh dang, I'm reaping. No, it 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 the thing is is that I I spoke to you about Jesus. I talked to you about the Lord and how he's willing to cleanse you. How he's willing to stop this harlotry that you're in. And you chose not to. You said, hey, you know what? This moment, this thing, this now looks more attractive than all the things that Jesus has to offer me. Why? Because I don't see the things that Jesus has to offer me. You talk about feelings and, 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 and oh, I, I just was in the spirit. I don't know what that is, Hector. All I know is sex feels good. That's, that's the stuff I deal with. People coming up to me. You know what I did last night? No, and I don't want to know. Do you know that Jesus died on the cross for you? Do you know that Jesus rose again? Do you know that? Do you know that you don't have to do all that stuff? You don't have to keep sowing and reaping to the flesh. Whatever, you're, whatever was seeming more attractive to these people, to this lost and dying earth right now, it seems more attractive to them than Jesus. Why? Because us as Christians have not stepped up to the plate and preached a beautiful Jesus. We have not preached his love. We have we have we have done a disservice to his love. We have not preached uh, DL Moody said, "What do I want? They came up to him and said, "Hey, what are you going to teach on tonight? What are you going to talk about tonight?" And he says, "I'm going to preach Jesus as the most beautiful thing on this earth." Because I know that in, in beauty and, and in salvation, people want that. There's an empty space in people that want salvation, that want beauty. People want to be beautiful. And the only way we will be beautiful is in the eyes of the Lord. Because why? Because we, He will see us as His creation and we are made in His image. If we really are made in His image... We all say, oh, beautiful Lord. We sing that song, beautiful Lord. Well, we are made in his image. Aren't we beautiful too? But it's only because of Jesus. And the thing is, is we need to preach a risen Lord. We need to preach a loving Lord. We need to preach a just Lord. 
It's like we, we can't just say, oh, everything's going to be great. You're going to get saved. You're going to have all kinds of money. You're going to, you know, beautiful house in Newport. No. The thing is, is how beautiful is salvation? That's all we need to preach. The beauty of knowing Jesus when he comes back. The beauty of knowing him eternally. That you don't have to go somewhere else to find the love that he has for you. You can't go anywhere else. It's the only love. It's the only love that will f make us have the true warm and fuzzies. But the thing is, is that we need to recognize that his love came at a cost. We need to recognize that his love was not common. We need to recognize that the, that the cross cannot be made of common value. It cannot be made of just, hey, my week-to-week -week paycheck. No. This cross came at a huge cost. And he, that is why he can, he's the only one that can say, I really love you. I love you in, in the tense of agape. Because he's the only one. No, no greater love has man than to lay down his life for his friends. No other love. There is no other love. You can keep searching and searching and searching, but your bellies are going to seem full, but you're going to be hungry. You're going to you're going to want to you're going to want to drink and you're going to want to you're going to be thirsty, just like quenched like I am right now because I don't have water. It's like you just want to. You you want to drink something. You're like, "Where's the water? Where's the water?" And you drink and you're still thirsty. It's not quenching you. It's not Gatorade. And you're just like, Jesus, what does Jesus say? He says, I have water of which you'll never thirst. Come. Come drink of the waters. Freely, I give to you just a drink of the waters. And in this, we'll start growing. We'll start just loving Jesus more. But we must respond to his love, right? We can't just see it as regular, common love. Like love that you, when you date somebody... You know, it's it's got to be, we have to see the love of Jesus as that kind of love that protects us. Because Jesus will always protect his church. And that kind of love that will rebuke us and, and will, will teach us. Right? And not only that, but then the key thing is the love that died for us. And that's it. We just have to recognize it. When we recognize it. Dude, it's just going to turn us, flip us upside down. That's it. But we got to remember what's there. What's, what's taking the place of that love? What have we dethroned that love with? Mm. Fill in the blank. Lord, we just thank you so much, Father, that... Father... All things have passed away, Lord. That, you, that us, we can literally say that, Lord, we love you and we are called according to your name, Lord. But, Father, there's times where we want to go back to Egypt, where Egypt seems attractive to us. It seems pleasurable. But, Lord, it's so idolatrous to your love. Lord, I just pray that you would just numb us, Lord, that we may not walk there. Lord, numb us that we can't, we can't even move to go there. Lord, that we may realize just your love and how your cross is, is not common. The price that was paid is not common. Lord, we don't know what that price is. Lord, and help us relate that to other people. Lord, that there will be no other love that they can that they can taste. There will be no other love that they can see and, and actually partake of, Lord, like the love that you shed on the cross. Lord, help us communicate tonight when we go out, Lord. Tonight, help us communicate that to people. Lord, there is no other love. And we just thank you, God. We thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, Lord, that... Father, you're willing that none should perish. We thank you, Father, that your love cast out all fear. We thank you, Lord, that you came to die for us. Lord, that we may know you. That we may partake of the marriage supper. 
Lord, we thank you for all your characteristics. Just how just you are and how righteous you are. Lord, how beautiful you are, how just perfect in every sense. Lord, how you spoke. We thank you, Lord, that you speak to this earth. You speak to us. You speak things into creation, Lord. We thank you for that. We thank you that you're sovereign and you walk along the churches. You walk around along the lampstands, Lord, and you tend them. And if you, and if the wick needs to be quenched, Lord, you quench it. Why? Because there can't be any impure or defiled thing in your marriage. Lord, we thank you that you have that love for us and you don't force it on us. Lord, we thank you that you're not like Allah and, you, and you're just completely capricious. Lord, we thank you that you're everlasting, Lord, that you're eternal. Lord, we just thank you for everything that you've given us, for the life that you've given us. And Lord, we ask that you would give us a calling, a vision, Lord, to impact this world for you, Lord. Lord, we need it. We, we have nothing else to do that's of greater value than that. Lord, to see you use us. Lord, we are available. Come, use us. Lord, use our hands. Use our minds, Lord. Use our hearts. Lord, just do a mighty work in us, Lord. We thank you in advance. In Jesus' name. Amen. Water. Water. Yeah. <laughs>